Hey gang, this is Andy Zook, and you're listening to Bad at Parties, one-on-one conversations with artists at the corner of the party. Joining me this week, Carter Umhow, a painter and poet who works full-time as a therapist. Carter and I recently shared the stage at the Fremont Abbey's Round event, which features musicians, poets, and painters all performing in line with one another. There isn't a lot to announce except that you can purchase Carter's paintings online, so I'll link you to all of her social media. And as always, please like and subscribe to Bad at Parties on your mobile device, computer, tablet, wherever you want to do it from. I'm fine. I'm not picky. Just go for it. Okay, we're going to start strong talking about the round, so strap in, because here we go. Carter Umhow. She's gone. <gasps> now we can start. Now we talk. <laughs> right? Totally. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to talk about the stuff that you were talking about when we were walking, mm-hmm. about that idea of, oh, just like community and like making people feel a part of it. Yeah. And I think that that's um, interesting because of when we did the the Fremont Abbey together. Yes. Yeah, and you got to be a part of that as the painter, and I think that that is such a cool environment to see that happen. Where it's like typically um, a, the like the visual element or something like that is going to be such a separate thing, and I think that that's like mm-hmm. an artistic representation of like the the audience and the painter and the poet and the musicians all feel. Like, they're sitting on the same level, hierarchy-wise. And I wondered, like, if you felt like you got mm-hmm. that or what that experience was like for you when you were doing the, the Fremont Abbey. Yeah. I mean, it was so cool to be invited and for you to, like, bring me into that fold. Um, I think as a painter, it's, like, such a solitary activity. Sure. And it's not... And it, before painting, I feel like I write, and that's even more private mm-hmm. to me. And so it's such a strange thing to go up be in front of people doing those things. Normally I'm like hunched over a table. And like having people on mics be like, hey, you're looking at what Carter's doing? Please don't look at what I'm doing. Just keep looking at the musicians. I know. So vulnerable. Um, And I, you know, I think I have like a lot of reverence for musicians because I never felt comfortable performing. Um, I don't feel like very good at being funny or being hammy in any way. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm in front of people, Oh, it's, it's such a different thing. I'd much rather be, like, serious and I'd much rather be talking. Sure. Um, so to be with musicians at a concert, to me, was really crazy. Say, <laughs> like, I'm doing something up here in front of people. And, like, these are real musicians that, like, have a craft that are next to me. And it's really cool. Yeah, but I thought it was interesting. Like, you were definitely, like, moving with the music. And I mm-hmm. felt like you were, like, pausing and taking moments to, like, be influenced. And people were looking yeah. over while they were playing and, like, yeah. I don't know. Hmm. their inflection was changing based on like, what they were seeing and how it was impacting them. And, cool. Yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't felt... know that. My back was to everybody. <laughs> you know, I um, one of the reasons why I... Well, the, the way that I first started painting was with palette knives. Hmm. Um, so instead of using like a gentle brush, it's like trying basically to like carve into a canvas and hmm. there's tons of paint. And I started realizing that it was maybe I should be a sculptor instead because I just wanted to like touch everything. Yeah. And I've still never sculpted or anything. But... I I am so physical when I yeah. paint yeah. because I'm like bouncing around this thing and this thing and these like tiny little movements and I love being able to stand up. And and I I hadn't stood up at an easel in like probably 5 years until a pre Miami. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, you posted a thing on Facebook saying, like, I'm, like, a little bit before saying, like, I'm getting started, like, doing more actively and selling my art again for the yeah. first time in five years. What, like, what changed? Ooh. Okay, maybe better question. Yeah. Why hadn't Why you hadn't done I? it in five years? Um, let's see. Maybe five years is a little bit of an exaggeration. Maybe, I don't know how long I've lived here anymore. Well, yeah, it's been five. Five years. I mean, that's when you started, like, at the school, right? Yeah, about four years ago I started at school. So, I, I was focused only on art before I moved here. Mm -hmm. And then I decided in a, like, 21-year-old's mind that I, it was time to kind of get serious and find a job. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I didn't do. I went to graduate school instead. (laughs) But I thought that, I thought that therapy. Yeah, it was on a path. So I I felt like therapy itself was going to be so, I don't even know. That's what I chose to do. Anyways, I I think that one of the things that wound up being really hard for me when I started training to be a therapist was that all my energy was finally being outputted. And Mm -hmm. it was, I was so antisocial in a lot of ways before that. Mm -hmm. Didn't know how to be with people. Right. And now it was like, here's the medium. Right. The interaction is an art form. It's a medium. Right. It's got like ceremony to it. You're going to mm-hmm. do it the same way exactly. most of the time. Exactly. Yeah. And it was exhausting. Yeah. So I, my focus was on that. And the amount of energy that it takes, I think, for me to sit down and start making something is really huge. And so I just, I really wrestled with it the first year and a half. Like I was writing every single paper in graduate school about like therapy and the creative process and what does a creative process have to do with therapy and how do they mirror each other and I didn't really realize I was doing that but I was always trying to work it in but mm-hmm. wasn't painting wasn't writing very much anymore right and that was really like almost shameful for me because it was so much my identity right so I took a break yeah yeah and do you feel like when that was happening did you was that kind of like a well this is naturally happening I'm hating myself because <laughs> I'm losing this sense of identity so rather than like slowly and like regretfully losing this, I'm going to like cut the cut it hard, not do it, and like move away from this artistic element. I didn't think about cutting it off. Mm-hmm. Um, painting has never been something that I think I found my identity in. Writing mm-hmm. always has been, mm-hmm. and I just found myself so exhausted. Yeah, and so I was too exhausted to write as much as I had been. Um, there was a time in my life that I was like waking up and writing for five hours straight, and then yeah. I went to a workshop and workshopping stuff and doing poetry readings and all this stuff. So. It just, that didn't fit. So I think painting just sort of fell to the wayside and I started feeling like I, I have to focus on other things. I was focusing so much on growing in other ways. And so it was okay. Um, it was okay for me to rest a little while, but I was constantly thinking about it and wondering like, what am I doing as a therapist? Is this me? How does this fit? And I, I did know that I was really, I don't know, like, I was still working out the exact same question in my head. To me, like, the, the question about what it means to be doing therapy and what it means to be doing art mm-hmm. is the same. Like, the answer is the same to me. Totally. I don't know if people would know that because they probably seem like such different things, but they never were. So I, I allowed myself to maybe get off the hook a little <laughs> bit to say, like, you're kind of, you're doing it a little. You're doing something. You're doing it. You're it's relevant. Yeah. Just wait mm-hmm. a while mm-hmm. till you have some more energy. So, so after I graduated, it was like, okay. We're getting back in gear with this. Um, I wound up getting to do art therapy where I work too. So it's, it started becoming a regular practice again through that. And I had yeah. to deal with all the demons again and get back into it. So. Yeah. So like you think that starting to re-engage with that art therapy mm-hmm. um, as a therapist was kind of like, a, oh, this is beautiful and hard, but I'm working through it. So why don't I work through it 
on a time when I'm not on somebody else's time? Did that kind of feel like it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that doing um, doing art therapy like twice a week with clients and preaching about... Mm-hmm. I'm definitely preaching for sure. I'm sure, for sure. Yeah. Because I'm like, this is the best. I know you don't think it's relevant, but we're going to paint. How do you feel about that? Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't like it. But I, I just... I don't know. I had to start actually like doing the thing that I believed in again and sitting there in front of a page and wrestling it out Mm -hmm. and writing so much more and having the space and the time to be present and catch Mm -hmm. up with myself. Yeah. As a ritual. Like definitely like when I was still actively practicing music therapy and was being Mm. like an independent music therapist, like there were moments where it would be so great if I, you know, like... I went to school at this improvisational music therapy center in upstate New York and like got getting to do that, like just demanded so much of me and made me like write, like where I'd been so focused on perform, perform, perform. Mm -hmm. That was like, Hey, sit in this moment, be with the thing you're creating, be responsive. And it just like changed it to be like, ignore the idea of like, how is this going to be a performable and instead like be responsive to writing what is true and what is necessary and I think, like, engaging in that therapy was, uh, as, like, somebody trying to create a space for someone else, taught me so much about how to create um, for myself and listen to myself mm-hmm. and, and react musically and lyrically to, like, what was happening. Oh, that makes me so excited. Yeah, so great. Uh, I honestly think that, that everything starts at improv. Mm-hmm. I, my, my story with art, my story with, like, becoming a person that was functional started with improv, too. Oh, you're a f- person that's functional? <laughs> No, actually, I don't even... Can I claim that? Yeah, I think you can. You said becoming. Carter, I'm not functional. It's a... Functional human. Pathway. (laughs) We're on our way to function Mm -hmm. in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... Have you ever heard of um, Free Play? It's a book. Mm -mm. It's a book by Stephen Nikmanovich. And when I was 19 years old, I was really unhappy. How could you not write a book like that if your name was Stephen Nakmanovich? Yeah, you have to be an artist to say his name. How could you name that and not write about art? Anyways, it's called On uh, Improvisation in Life and Art or Music and Arts. Anyway, Mm -hmm. free play. Um, Free play. Yes. (laughs) When I was 19, I was really unhappy and I was just maybe generally unhappy for a long time. But I was talking to a good friend that was an actress and she was telling me about Mm -hmm. some improv exercise that she was doing in acting class. And I remember thinking, that is the most terrifying thing I've ever Mm -hmm. heard. I could never do that. What was it? Do you remember? What was the exercise? Um, I remember I was lying on her bed in her grandparents' house. (laughs) But I don't remember the actual exercise. You can remember the feeling. I can remember the feeling. You can remember the body space. Totally. Yeah. Totally. I remember looking at her and I was like, I could never, ever do that. That mm. is the most terrifying thing. I can feel my body shaking just listening to you. Mm. I'm going to have to do that. I'm going <laughs> to sign up and do it. So I found an improv class. And I'd like drive to this random, random improv school in downtown DC and like sit outside for like 30 minutes before the class starts. Like, how do I do this? I have to go inside. I don't know. Okay. 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 <laughs> I'd like go in. And I was the youngest person in the class for like a decade. And... <sighs> I just started. And the book was introduced to me in that class by the teacher. Oh, cool. And, yeah, it's so cool. And the, the introduction of the book talks about this Sanskrit word called Leela, hmm. like L-I-L-A, but with a carrot over the I, which means divine play, mm. which is the process of creation, destruction, and recreation. And I, like, 
I think that that phrase is like the thing that I get the most excited about. <laughs> I just squeal about it. Mm. Um, <laughs> because I think that that's where it starts. Like conversationally, yeah. like locating yourself in something, creating art. It's about like engaging something, seeing what happens, sure. and then being in the moment enough to say like, this is shit. Yeah. And, and I'm going to ruin it. Yeah, and destroy what? it. Yeah. yeah, and now what do I make out of all this shit that Which I made? Which is what like children do. Children, <laughs> yeah. you build up blocks, yep. you knock them down yep. like Godzilla, totally. and you build something else again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally get that. That's so funny. I like maybe a little bit earlier in life, but maybe I was like 14, 13, mm-hmm. something around there. But I had like I totally jumped into an improv class you did? and like yeah. What'd you like, think? Well, I realized like the first time they were like. The first thing that they ever had us do is, like, we all came into it, and it was in Seattle, and I was living up in Arlington, so I was in the middle of nowhere, and I came to the class, like, in the city, wow. and my mom drove me, like, every week, like, the sweetest woman in the world, oh like, drove me an hour every week, and I remember the first day, like, it was this very touchy-feely um, woman <laughs> who was in charge of it with, like, amazing breasts, so, like, of course, I'm going to go to the <laughs> so class. Every, yeah. Um, but she, <laughs> But she was, like... Um, like the first day she was like, sit, I know, right? Come on. Of course I'm going to stick around. I'm in middle school. What do you want from me? Maybe early high school. Um, but I was just like sitting in the class and she's like, sit and think about what your body is doing. And she like Mm -hmm. talked through like, uh, all the parts of your body, like breathe in, like think about your legs, breathe in, think about your arms. And I remember like, I literally remember hitting this moment in that class where it was the first time that I was like, my body is so awkward. Hmm. And I can change it. Like, my mouth is open and I'm breathing through it. (laughs) And my hands are touching my face right now. Like, why? Because I'm nervous. And she was talking about, like, you're going to do these things because you're uncomfortable. Instead, let yourself relax. Do these things. Get yourself to this place. And it was the first time I'd ever Mm -hmm. been, like, self-conscious in a healthy way. Like, self-aware. Yes. Enough to meet. Yeah. To make something new. And I think that's what I've I've always loved about improv. Because I did it for a long time. And then I started doing acting in, like, high school and did a bunch of plays. But the biggest thing for me was always, like, think about your actions. Think about Mm -hmm. um, what you're doing right now in this moment and be present. And, like, learning to do that in an early age was just, like, changed me from having Mm -hmm. no friends and being upset and, like, depressed all the time to being, like, oh... I'm in control of the way I feel and the way I'm presenting myself and like this these ideas that are artistic things are just representations of stuff we do all the time. All the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. I started figuring out how to deal with my like awkwardness or my anxiety or whatever, you know, there were a lot of feelings mm-hmm. back in high school. Mm-hmm. I remember like being upset about something at 15 years old and like having this really visceral intense feeling in my chest and in my gut and I had written, I started writing poems when I was like six or seven years old, but it was in that moment where I suddenly realized like I could write down the details of what my body feels like and finally get this out. Mm. And so I started becoming conscious all the time of like, how do I describe this feeling? How do I describe what it's like, what this horrible thought is doing to my legs right now as they're shaking? And so I would just work really hard to mindfully describe it. (laughs) And then I had all these poems. And that's mm-hmm. where the poetry started because it was just like an act of mindfulness. To yeah. say, what does this gesture feel like? And what do I want to do with it? And what does this mean? And what does it remind me of? And allowed me to like get out of my body. Absolutely. And like, there's been this big question that I keep on talking about in this podcast. So there's like that idea of like, what is the value of the, the thing you're creating? And I mm. feel like that encapsulates so much. The value that I keep on seeing again and again is you have gone through the process. You were in an unpleasant state or you were mm-hmm. in a place that was... 
um, not the universe that you want to exist. Right. You're thinking about it. You're engaging in it in a way that you can think about it. And it's translatable to other people. People can pick this up and take this undefinable thing that, like, when you just talk about it, feels so shallow and hollow. Mm -hmm. And, like, just to see it and get to interpret it through your own body and experience, mm -hmm. you're like, yes, that's exactly how I feel. I feel understood. Like, I yes. feel like that's where I keep coming back to again and, like, how I'm relearning, like, as I'm doing this podcast and as I'm reengaging mm -hmm. with some things, like, oh, yeah, this is the value of the art I'm creating. This is the value of art that people are creating. This. Yep. It's the opportunity to do that. I know. So I know. that's so cool. You had been, so you would re started re-engaging with art because mm -hmm. you were doing it through art therapy. Yeah, that's, yeah, mm -hmm. that gave me some yeah. structure. Which I feel like makes a lot of sense as you're talking about, like, contextualizing, processing through, mm -hmm. like, ideas through your body giving other people, you know, that teaching opportunity, being like, oh, right. Right. I'm teaching this to somebody else. Am I realizing that it's of value to yeah. me? And you're right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And for me, it was like, I this is the thing I believe in. Mm -hmm. I know that to be true. Why am I not doing it every single moment that I can? Mm -hmm. Why, like, what is drawing me away from that all the time? Right. Why am I on my fucking phone right <laughs> now when it, when it makes me feel I bad? Know. That's <laughs> the real answer. I stopped making art when I got a fucking iPhone. Dude, that's so true. <laughs> I <laughs> so skeptical. I got an technology. iPhone and I like didn't create anything for like months. No, you're so distracted. The time is goes. <sighs> you know, but we, I, you know, I write things on there now too, so mm -hmm. it's fine. Yeah, totally. Instagram All of so I mean, artful. my voice memos are <laughs> the library of every piece of music I've thought up in the past so, like four years. Really, that's yeah. so cool. Yeah, it's that's like so cool. it just scrolls, scroll, 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 mm. and just goes forever. And like, I'll just go back and like look at stuff. But that's that. the hate love relationship yes. with technology. Yeah. yeah. Forever. Forever. <laughs> um, I didn't know so much about your writing as like, because I don't think I've ever heard anything that you've written. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah, it's so weird. How long have I known you? <laughs> Years? A bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's weird. Um, I know. So I went to school in Greece, as you probably know, mm -hmm. for a couple of years and was mostly focusing on writing and then wound up going back. I was a poetry major in college. Mm -hmm. It started that in New York and then was in Greece and then Colorado. Graduated with like bachelor's in creative writing poetry specifically that's right i did know that yeah mm -hmm. but but when i was in greece i came home and everyone was like what have you been doing what can i see oh my gosh and i'd also just been painting to sort of in my mind like kind of fill the tank when mm -hmm. i wasn't writing and you can just show people paintings oh my gosh just, yes here they are here's you the paintings bright colors paintings. yep send them to people yeah but the poetry like no one had i wasn't doing anything public with it at that point and you know, I had my thesis, and I had a few, like, poetry readings, but I hadn't done anything with it. And so I started realizing, like, this is, it's so vulnerable. It's more vulnerable for me to write. Mm -hmm. And so well, people don't get to see it. No, and people don't know how to engage with it. No. Like, the, the, um, people don't really like poems, I don't think. Well, people Unless don't know how to do it because, like, um, you have to have a, a space for it. You yeah. have to have, like, time to mm -hmm. sit and think about it. Like, you can listen to a song and not really think about yeah. it, and you're still going to get, like, yeah. the, the pleasant, like, ooh, I like this. That felt good. That felt good. Yeah. Or you can be scrolling through your Instagram feed and someone's taking a picture of a painting right. that they worked on really hard, right. and they're like, I feel, I like I feel a quick buzz. Mm -hmm. Scroll, scroll, Yeah, scroll, and poetry is not easily digestible. And poetry, like... People will be like, here's two lines from this poem. And then like, oh, yeah, that's it. But that's not at all what you're trying to capture. No. And so I know, like, nobody 
who writes that would want <laughs> the two lines of their poem. Like, that's like, oh, yuck, I hate that. Please don't yeah. put that out there. It's, yeah. It, there's one poet on Instagram that I follow and love, and mm-hmm. she does it really well. What's her name? I can't pronounce it. I've never said it out loud because I just read it in private. Nairi Naira Walid. Oh, at Naira Naira. I love her stuff. She's so good. God. Oh, my Isn't that weird, those things that you experience exclusively in your head? Yeah. Yeah, Harmony Granger. Thanks. I know my mom, when she said that when she married my dad, they like he was in med school and was... In the library, mostly. Mm-hmm. And slowly he'd say, like, really brilliant things out loud, but pronounce everything incorrectly. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, what are you trying to say? He's like, what do you what do you mean? And she said, that's just not the word. You've got all the vocabulary, but none of the social mm-hmm. but none, of the, yeah. none of the pronunciation. Love it's them. book knowledge, not yeah, speech exactly. knowledge, buddy. Exactly. Oh, that's yeah. so, sweet. so sweet. But anyway, yeah, so, so I think that it is really hard to get poetry actually out there for people mm-hmm. to read and I I don't know I think since I was a kid I always felt this sort of self-consciousness of being like this emo girl writing poems in the yeah. corner which is maybe something I'm fighting about in my own head and that's mm-hmm. not necessarily out there but I definitely feel a little bit of a stigma around writing about feelings mm. which isn't it's like I described earlier maybe they were about feelings but I've I also feel like I tell stories that way I yeah tell stories through poetry and I meditate. I, yeah, I think it's funny. It's like definitely like it, what are the archetypes for mm-hmm. a female young poetry writer that look positive in our culture? It's like mm, pixie manic dream girl. I don't know. No, she doesn't even do that. I don't know. And that's tough. It's like where yeah. are your where are the role models? Where are the people to say like I'm doing this and people associate that with something yeah. that they want to be around? Yep. It's tough. Right, and it's an antisocial activity unless you're a slam poet. Which can be really cool, too. Mm-hmm. I talked about... So, last week's episode was also with somebody who went to the Seattle school, which is super funny. But it was oh. Toss, who I love that guy. I don't know if you know I, him. You know, I didn't get to hear that one, but I noticed it. I know his name from the Seattle school. Yeah, totally. He's a great guy. He did, cool. like, all the Ballard sessions and so stuff cool. like that. Yeah. But um, I was talking about this with him at the beginning, where um, so often we see, like, people doing slam poetry... Mm-hmm. In events or like the <clears throat> like the round, yep. people are doing uh, slam poetry. That's the most common form because it's it's got all of these um, qualities that you're used to seeing mm-hmm. over and over again. It's got some rhythm to yep. it. It's got these strong dynamics. Um, you can put music behind it, and it's got like a very strong emotion for first. Yes. Um, but I, I feel it. I see it fall into trends. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over again. Even the same cadence over the and over again. The same cadence. Uh, I, fi- I find people getting lazy in it yeah. because it's like, oh, here's how you do this. Like, right. I've written slam poems. I've never shared them with anyone, but I did cool. it just to be like, could I do this? <laughs> and you can. Because it looks, and I hate to say this, but it looks easy sometimes because you see so many people being like, oh, here's a corner I can cut. Here's a corner I can cut. And it's become formulaic. Right. But, like, really good slam poets. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. can be, I don't know. I think the way that I'd like to talk mm-hmm. in my normal life would be like a very talented yeah. slam poet. Have you ever listened to Buddy Wakefield? Yeah. Dude, like that guy's <laughs> slam poetry, like put me on the ground and shatter me to pieces. Like it is amazing. <laughs> so good. Oh. So good. Man, I, I keep thinking about like what it means to actually share those things out loud. 
And it, it takes an actor, I think, in some ways to be able to... Well, I don't know if it's an actor specifically, yeah. but to be in touch yeah. with what you're saying. And I don't think that the things that people are writing in poems need the same cadence every time. Mm-mm. No. Well, it's... Yeah, it's because, like, I think you become a character. You become a character that best mm-hmm. represents the, the words you're presenting. And if, like an actor or an actress becomes the same character every single time, they're not an actor. They're one character yeah. and they're bad yeah. and they won't get jobs no. or they will get jobs and, the and it'll yeah. just be, you know, the same action movie right. over and over again. You're just Matt Damon. That's fine. Matt Damon does a lot. Okay. He's the wrong person. <laughs> I actually, I thought about the born <laughs> movies and I was like, oh yeah, fucking Matt Damon. And then I was yeah, like, what about Good Will Hunting? Yeah. What about like a lot of other yeah, stuff? Yeah, his heart and soul. Okay. I know. Okay. Wrong That's reference. Okay. Wrong okay. person. Matt Damon, when That's you cool. listen to this show <laughs> in the future, like Hi, a Matt. ghost. <laughs> yeah. All right. Okay. It's but true. anyways, there's like all these slam poets out there yeah. that are just doing the same exact character for all of these different scenes and it's like yeah. no be different no change be sad be happy be awkward right because there's already so many feelings in those yeah ones anyway yeah I had a really cool experience in my thesis class and at the end of college and again this was a poetry class so mm-hmm. it was the same group of about like eight to ten people that had been working on their thesis together for at least a year under the same poet and um poet's name is David Mason and he was a poet laureate of Colorado for a little while, excuse me, um, and he was our teacher, and he was amazing. Mm. He is amazing. What a cool experience. So cool, so yeah. cool. And he kind of was like, we're going to actually go about this class like poets, and there is, I mean, this is all about academia as well, and we don't need to sit in this classroom the whole time. So tomorrow, instead of class, I hope it's okay saying this for him, but... <laughs> We're going to meet at so-and-so's house, and we're all going to pour, down, pour a glass of wine, and we're just going to be reading the poems in a circle cool. together. Totally. And it was Definitely amazing. did that. Yep. Same thing oh, with so my good, professors. Right? Like, being yeah. like, yeah, music, tomorrow we're going to meet at my house, we're going to play basketball, right. and then we're going to play songs I together. Love that. I was like, I suck at basketball, let's do it! <laughs> <laughs> so good! I know, and that's the kind of moment where I, I remember we did that on, like, a retreat, um, mm-hmm. a group of us, and then, like, again, just, he asked us to memorize three of our favorite poems, mm-hmm. and... Um, and then recite some of our own as well. And it was so cool. I still remember this. Just like sitting there with everyone. And everyone had chosen such different poems. And we all just like took on all these different voices. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I love that so much. I remember doing Shel Silverstein's like homework. Oh my God, mm-hmm. I hate you, you stink. I wish I could wash you away in the sink. That's so good. Yeah, et cetera. Cool. <laughs> love Shel. Like what a, I think that there's those rare people who are just like something that's accessible to like kids yeah and like when you're writing in 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 an art form like I've been listening on audible like over and over again to these fantasy novels by Garth Nix have you listened I don't know okay Garth Nix is this uh Australian I'm pretty sure uh Mm -hmm. author and he wrote these fantasy books called the old kingdom series they're so good but similar to like that or Mm -hmm. like uh Rowling writing like the Harry Potter novels and these things that are like we're writing these for young adult teens but they're beautiful, like like anybody can listen Gorgeous. to them, and they're just great. And like Shel Silverstein being this author who's like, these are written for kids, quotation marks for <laughs> kids. And you're like, no, these are big, they're beautiful huge. concepts. So allegorical. Yeah. yeah. 
Did you mostly do like read fantasy books when you were a kid? Was that kind of your thing? Um, I am l- working on being a uh, recreational reader. I have hmm. never was a recreational reader. I yeah. just I have always had like too much body fidget energy to that. sit down for more than a second, and so like audible or like audiobooks are like changing my life right now because I can experience them and do things. Yep. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. I haven't gotten into them enough. Yeah. If I like, I remember being in college and if I would just try to read in my room, I would get to the end of something and be like, I didn't process anything. Like mm-hmm. I'm so, I just have to have some, like, and that's why I think acting was always such like a accessible thing for oh, me because cool. I could memorize lines, I could yep. memorize parts because there's movements that go along mm-hmm. with them. And so I'm always the type of person who it's like, give me like a video or give me like uh, something I can listen to yep. while I'm moving because then I'm going to remember it so much better. Apparently that's how it works. Yeah. I remember my sister would memorize stuff for tests by like running the stairs mm-hmm. over again from the basement to the kitchen. Like, yeah, memory works better. Yeah. So I didn't r- listen to a lot of fantasy, but like what I, or read a lot of fantasy, but what I did read was definitely more in that line yeah. of things. Yeah. It's so good. Mm-hmm. I never did it. No. I feel like I really missed out. And, and, like, belonging to our generation. Yeah, everybody picks something. <laughs> I know. My brother was really into the Redwall novels. Did you ever read mm-hmm. those? Oh, man. Nerdy. <laughs> Nerdy. It's like animals. Oh, it's like man. very fable stories. That sounds good. Yeah. I might be reinforcing the, like, poet girl stereotype mm-hmm. that I was trying to run away from, but, um, you know, the Babysitter's Club. Yeah. Of course, right? Right. So I didn't read The Babysitter's Club. I was too young for that, so I read mm-hmm. Babysitter's Club Little Sisters. Oh. And then I grew up, and Anne M. Martin, <laughs> this is so embarrassing, the author of The Babysitter's Club, started writing this, this series called California Diaries, mm-hmm. and it was like one of the babysitters, like, spin off cool. into... Like being a little bit more of a teenager yeah. in California. It was everybody's diaries, and you could get just like read through their diaries. Could read everybody's opinion about the exact same event that would happen. That's so cool. To me, it was like the beginning of being a therapist. Maybe right. I mean, to sense. like to read through it. I love that about yeah. those kind of stories. To so be cool. like, oh, here's the exact same story from different people's mm-hmm. perspectives, and all of them are true, and all of them are different. To realize that those can exist right. simultaneously, and people are feeling different things about the exact same thing. There's, like, different importance for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was more reading, like, Animorphs, <laughs> which was, like, just, like, <laughs> trash for kids. It was yeah. just, like, candy, and I just gobbled it up, and it was good. not cool. And you said Animorphs, and I thought Danimals. And I, <laughs> I don't know what Danimals are. Yogurt. Oh! Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know what Danimals are. <laughs> I was more of a Go-Gurt's kid. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. liked the crunchy stuff. Anyway, That's pretty yogurt. Sad. Yogurt. <laughs> no, not not a cool kid. I would think I was just make-believe. Like, I just spent all mm. my time make-believing. Like, until I was, like, I remember one time, I think I was, like, in high school, and I was just, like, I remember, this is maybe the nerdiest thing I can remember at any point in my life. It was <laughs> light. So my parents lived on this uh, lot of land that was, like, on the edge of a cliff out in the country, and there was like this thunderstorm rolling in. It was big and beautiful and there's this lightning. I was home alone and I was listening to music outside while like my parents had a wood-burning fireplace and so I was chopping wood for them. How romantic. I know. What were you listening to? uh, Well, do you know? Yeah. (laughs) I was listening to a uh, a rock band recreated versions of uh, video game music. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so that's what I'm doing. That's good. And I'm a ma- and I'm like chopping the wood, and I'm like, 
dancing around and like attacking the wood. And then like I remember doing this, and all of a sudden my <laughs> sister and her boyfriend, who I think he was like on the football team or something, called like come around the corner and like, what are you doing? And it's like lightning and rain, and like they're like, are you trying to get strong? And I'm like, hey, hey guys. Hey guys, as I'm like, at, like immediately oh. like skidding to a stop from a Jeez. dramatic lunge at this wood, and I'm, yeah, just not cool. That's just epic. not a cool. That's thing. epic. It was epic. Though. And then I went to improv classes, and that helped a lot. <laughs> full circle. Yeah, full circle. Good. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Both taking sips here. Yep, it's good. Good. So. That's cool. I'm loving that you're starting again. Me too. Re-engaging in this. I know. It feels like I always mm-hmm. was. Yeah. Are you um, putting any of your art up for people to, like, see? Like, where do people engage <laughs> with it? Or your poetry? Oh. I mean, your, your, your paintings are what you're selling right now. And you're starting to look for commissions and things like that again. Yes. 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 It's how's, scary. How's the business side of that? What's that like? Not my strong suit. <laughs> <laughs> it's really not. Um... As you know, you bought a painting for me, which I was did. amazing. I'm so excited about it. So exciting. Thanks for giving that to me today. Yes. I, I want to admit to you, though, that, you know, I I painted that, and I told you, like, oh, I want to, you know, go home, touch up some things. Yeah. Give it to you. And then I started feeling like, oh, God, if I start touching up this thing, I'm going to, like, get into this, you know, destruction mode. Yeah. And then you will have a different painting than you even thought, and I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And... Then I got, like, I can't look at this thing anymore. So she was facing the wall. It's a portrait. She was facing the mm-hmm. wall for, until I came Until just now. Yeah. And then I, you saw I her I finally again. looked at her and I was like, oh, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Dude. Um, so that was, that was a little picture of Dorian Gray moment there. <laughs> Did you all of a sudden, all of your age came back Well, to we've you? been, you know, I've been talking about this in therapy, but the, the portrait thing, what mm-hmm. it all feels like for me. But I, um. Well, that's a lot of information and no information at all at the same time. But in terms of like the business stuff, it's such an interesting thing. I um, I used to have a website actually, yeah, um, and had tons of paintings up on it, and then started feeling like within that year of hiatus or four or five years, whatever it was, mm-hmm. um, it's like this just doesn't feel true. To sure, have, I don't know. It didn't feel like it represented the yeah. fact that I wasn't painting, sure. so I took it down. Um, we haven't gotten one back up. No. So now it's kind of more like word of mouth, word of social media, people being like, oh, Carter, will you create yeah. something? Are you usually getting guidelines or people just saying like, do something, I love what you do? Um, I think that it's more typical for someone to say like, I want a portrait of so-and-so. Oh, cool. Because I do so many portraits. Yeah. Um, I think that that's been the most typical. And when I've sold paintings before... Um, it's been stuff that I'd already just made, mm-hmm. like making stuff up in my head, which is more, a little more fun sometimes. But I really like doing paintings of people sitting in front of me. Yeah. So. I love, I, I've got to say this because I haven't said it, but I love like, I love looking back at some of the paintings that you've done that are just like Aww. I could find on the internet and just being like, wow, I just want to stare at these so really? long. Yeah. Because, um, you know, there's yeah. something to be said for something that's very photorealistic. Yeah. And there's something to be said about something that's more surrealistic, mm-hmm. something that's uh, capturing different ideas than what you see with your eyes. Instead, it's kind of more what you see with your soul and yeah. what you, oh, what you feel about it. people. And I think that you just have this beautiful energy that feels like there's a lot of movement to it and like there's a lot of um, 
my heart going out to someone, their heart responding to me, mm. and then the paint going to the canvas as a result of that. Like it what just a compliment. I just I really feel this. <laughs> I, and I was talking. To, I've talked a lot about your paintings in the last really? like couple of weeks with Heather so after sweet. we bought the painting that you gave us because we were so excited to get it. So and she was talking about how she's like it. I don't know how to say this to Carter, and I actually don't know the painter she's referencing, but she was saying that she's like it reminds me a lot of one of my most favorite painters Ooh, who I does portraits. Yeah, I don't know who it is. I can't tell mm. you. I'm sorry. That's okay. But she, she's like, it feels like has this very same energy mm. where it's, um, it's not, it's all these beautiful, like, imperfections of people mm. and, like, uh, atypical shapes and, like, mm. that have, like, this strong meaning and, like, have this, like, why is that right? I don't know, but it is. Oh, Heather. Thanks, Heather. Yeah, it's really great. It's really, really great. <laughs> that, that's so sweet. Um, I That feels like such a big compliment to me because somewhere in the break between when I was painting and starting again, mm-hmm. um, that was one of the hardest things that I was kind of wrestling with in terms of my own style. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I was on hiatus, but I was thinking about it all the time. Sure. So I was trained in oil painting mm-hmm. um, and trained to do oil paintings in the style of the old masters. Yeah. And so I've done like exact copies of um, Rembrandt's and Velasquez and all these things that just like classic. Yeah. And that was amazing to learn how to make these amazing portraits. Sure. And then I left feeling like I still don't know how to do the thing that I feel like I'm trying to express. Absolutely. Because I'm so concerned with these rules. Mm-hmm. And it's been fun to be able to get back into painting, and I haven't been oil painting at all. Mm-hmm. It's, I'm, I think I'm sort of avoiding it because it, it feels very serious to me still. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been doing watercolors, and the freedom to be able to like watch the water move across the page mm-hmm. and decide how I'm going to react to it. Right, and because it's it just it like, the, depending on the type of paper right. or the material that you've right. chosen, it's going to spread mm-hmm. and just kind of spider out. Right. Yeah. So I have to be playing with it the whole time. It has mm-hmm. to be this process of improv. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It has to be a process of improv. And it, I think that it is one of my main goals to actually feel like I'm... I don't know, bringing a little bit more life to something. Yeah, well, and I think that that's such a true way to do, and, like, knowledge of yourself to do that. Mm-hmm. And I something that I mm-hmm. always try to do when I'm finding myself hitting that rut is, like, change the medium yeah. in a little way. And yeah. whether that's, like, what, like, for me, a lot of times it's, like, uh, and I know a lot of musicians that'll just be, like, fuck with the tuning of your guitar a little bit. Or cool. pick up a different guitar. Or pick up maybe a different instrument that feels different and start writing there. Um, and just like change something, approach it from a different mm. space, get yourself out of like your normal path so that that way you're forced to do something different yes. and that you kind of just have to react to where you're at. Exactly. Because mm-hmm. it should be about reaction anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you are, if you are making something mm-hmm. that is like we were talking about, it's sort of this, this reaction to a feeling, this reaction to an impulse or a bodily sensation, and you are already in this fixed mindset about how the material is going to work. You're starting with the thing like already set in stone mm-hmm. instead of being able to make something new and create something that's going to be actually alive in the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that makes so much sense with that, what you were talking about at the beginning about like always wanting to be more of a sculptor and the yeah. idea of like rather than adding things, I want to hack stuff away yes. and find the thing that's inside oh, of it. such there. a hacker. Because <laughs> that um, that is going to every time you're going to be dealing with whatever you get at. I love, like, 
um, I think wood carving is some of my favorite yes. stuff. I've seen like amazing wood artists who will like um, really use the natural shapes that are occurring in the wood. Mm-hmm. So that, that way, no matter, like you can get stone and like have it be similar each time, but when you get something like wood and right. you're reacting to where the knots are and where the curves are, you're going to just be like, oh, I couldn't do the thing I'm used to doing. I can't make a bird again. Like I always make <laughs> a bird. Like I have to make something different. Yeah. Oh. Have you, um, I can't, I'm going to reference Michelangelo, which feels very epic, but Michelangelo, mm-hmm. of course, was doing that in marble and mm-hmm. stone. And he has a piece called The Slave. Hmm. I don't know if you've seen this before, but he was really trying to like look at a material and find the person coming out of it. Hmm. And so right in line with that idea, he has a slave that's like locked in the stone still. Hmm. And so it's like halfway out. He didn't ever carve around the entire body or anything. So you're just seeing like full front and he's coming out of the stone mm. and it's just left like that. Mm. Right. So you can see the way that he was working with the material and then you've got this gorgeous metaphor out of the actual process. Oh my gosh. That's oh, so cool. That's and so like cool. to see the transitionary space. Yes. Which is why I also love yes. like artwork or pieces that have like something like that left to them. It's sort of it's undone. Like, yeah. I can see where the paint splattered. That's the best. And in the second and in the center where the focal point is, I can see how everything has come together. Yeah. But as I slowly fade out, I can see all of the sta- the stages. Yes. Like a uh, jawbreaker of art, if you will. A jawbreaker <laughs> of art. Yes. Yeah. I like gobstoppers. Gobstoppers. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think that, like, yeah. I feel like art should, uh, I don't want to say should, but when I think about art. Make rules. <laughs> do it. Art is always this way. It is 100%. <laughs> Yeah. No, I think when I think about the things that I love in art, it's watching the process. So like, I love looking at people's sketchbooks. Mm-hmm. I love reading people's journals. Obviously not private journals. Right. Published Public journals. Things. Published ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and getting to see like a process that's unfolding mm-hmm. where you can watch someone's thoughts and see what happened. Mm-hmm. I'm getting really excited. This yeah. is my stuff. This is fun. Isn't this a fun thing? Yes. Yeah, I think uh, for me, the a big thing that's been happening really recently is I've been getting, um, I've been writing some new stuff because I've been, nice. yeah, it's really exciting. I, I'm not like a prolific person and I have like some new stuff that I just finished and some in between pieces Amazing. that where I never like halfway done stuff. I have like something that I start and if it doesn't happen really quickly, it's gone forever. Mm-hmm. And now I have like some pieces that I'm slowly working on Whoa. Um, and it feels like engaging in this podcast, um, doing like daily writings like you're talking yes. about. Yeah, that's re- been really helpful. Have you ever done morning like morning pages. pages? Yeah. Oh my God. I'm really bad at it and my dog just ripped up my journal so I need to start. Well, isn't that kind of the point? You don't yeah. need to look back. I mean, I'm never going to look back. You just paper. Well, and also like <laughs> I, I'm i like writing. I don't I don't put my glasses on and that's my, so my vision is terrible and so literally oh my I'll gosh. pick it up and, my, and I'm such a sloppy writer anyways. I'm like using like these gelled pens like not oh. gelled but like a G2 or something yeah. like that. And when I go to read it, if I've, like, tried to look back just to be like, what was I talking about there? I'm like, I cannot read my handwriting. But I can think about those things all day. Right. So, anyways, like, getting into this, I'm starting to write more. And I showed a piece to um, Matt Goodwin, good friend mm, of mine, who's also on the podcast recently. Um, I showed a new thing I was writing, and he was so complimentary. And talking about that with him and just, like, getting these responses from him and some other folks just kind of being like, you've been playing music for a long time there have been a lot of trends that you've been around and lots of things but like mm. to feel like I've got a decade of music that I've been writing and it feels like I've stayed true to like myself yeah. in that and just kind of being like yeah I'm kind of writing the same stuff uh it's changing mm-hmm. but I feel really excited that like 
I feel like I definitely have reached a point right now where I feel maybe for the first time ever, like I really know what my sound mm-hmm. is and I really know what my writing voice you is. Come into yourself. Yeah. I You've feel stabilized. Yeah. And not only, and I think I've been doing it for a little bit, but it's the first time where I feel like I can point at it and call it a name. Yep. Yeah. And it's That's really amazing. fun. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm excited about that. Video. Yeah. It feels like success. You know, mm-hmm. I've been messing around with that idea of, of what is success. And you think that it's... I think it's knowing myself right now. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Hmm. What is your concept? Of success. Of success. With your art. With my art? Mm-hmm. Oh. You know, I would love to say, if, and my first thought was that it's process-oriented. Mm-hmm. Um, I wound up having to rethink that a lot mm-hmm. after the Abby show, actually. Mm-hmm. After the round. Because... Sure. That was the first time that I had done something in a long time that it, was seen. It's going to have to right? be, it's going to rip you up. Rips you up. Yep. Totally ripped me up. Yeah. Anxious before? Um, I didn't, I was very avoidant of thinking about it for a little mm-hmm. while. And then I, I was, like I said, like I had said, I hadn't done, I wasn't doing oil painting mm-hmm. because it smells bad and you can't do smelly paint. And I was doing watercolors all the time and then realized, oh my God, watercolor can't be put on a canvas because it you know, gravity. Mm-hmm. It's just gonna... <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah. So I then... Have, did you have to go buy a bunch of paints? You have no idea what I did. <laughs> I don't. This was intense. So you have a, you have a panel, the painting that's, that I did. Yeah. Um, is watercolor paper that I, I use like a really intense gel medium to adhere the watercolor paper to a wood panel. Oh, <sighs> stressful. Oof, thinking about it. I had to do this twice. I've got a lot of like, oof, it was really intense glue too. So I, yeah. This is and crazy. I got to the Abbey and I was like, so like, I'd love it if I could just put this on the ground and kind of imagine myself like Pollock, like, you yeah. know, on top of the canvas somehow. And then realized like, oh no, this is part of the performance and they want me to like, people have to, they see, need to it. see the process. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, well, uh, can we get this at like a 10 degree angle? Yeah. How about 30 degree angle? And the, that, That's why they, they were so sweet. They were so and they sweet. were like taking the, <laughs> their really, really shitty uh, easel. easel that they had, which was pretty bad. They need to get a new one. Yeah, but they scary. were like stacking it on top of like suitcases and stuff like that. Cornhole, actually. Yeah. Oh, cornhole. Yeah, it was cornhole. It was great. Anyways. Cornhole. Never yeah. stops being useful. <laughs> but anyway, all that to say that, that I was pretty avoidant of the process. I was like, oh, I'm fine. I'm so process oriented. I'm so like just going to improv it, right? Mm-hmm. And then I realized, like, oh, my gosh, all of these limitations based off of the material that I'm choosing to do. And I don't even, I don't know how to watercolor, technically speaking. I started having all these judgments. And then, again, back to this, like, this person that I wound up painting. I really had a lot of judgments afterward about the success of the painting based off of the expression. Mm. And started realizing that, like, something about the expression of the woman that I painted, which I had made up in my head was like way too close to home to my own feelings. And I wanted it to, I wanted it to like feel like something different. Hmm. And it was really hard for me to feel like, oh yeah, that was, that was successful because the process was good. And because it was fun. I started judging. Well, and something like that, it's like, it can't be like, that was a draft, toss it away. That was like, people saw me make it. And then immediately after it, it was bought. I know. I tried to, I almost tried to uh, hide the, the little paper. And then I buy (laughs) Sneaky. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad about that. Do you think you would have thrown it away or something if you hadn't? Uh, You know, if, if I had, I mean, I live in a studio apartment, so I was looking at that painting in bed, like the next morning when I woke up, like, ah, it's so haunting. I might've, I might've 
thrown it away or something, but or I'm painted so, over. I'm, I'm really so, glad I didn't. And I'm when so I saw her, excited today, about yeah, that. I liked I, her. I'm gonna from now on. It's a rescue. Aww. I bought her, and she's a rescue. Yeah, and I, you know, I do like her. I like her, but anyway. But you're glad she's not in your studio. Yeah, I don't want to look at her. Good, great. <laughs> I don't want to look at her. Well, then we'll keep her in our bedroom. Oh, and she'll good. stare at Heather and me and all of our intimate moments. <laughs> I, I painted this painting years ago that a friend of mine named Pierre. Mm. I don't know why. And he has the most piercing glance. And I always had him in my bedroom, and I never like noticed that he was terrifying. Mm. But he is terrifying. Anyway, don't put her in her bedroom. It could be bad. Well... <laughs> We're about to find out. Yeah. I'll let you know what happens with that. Oh, that'll be success. Yeah. So coming back to that idea, yes. I had originally asked you what does success what look success? for, for you? And you were talking about the idea of I want it to be process oriented. Yeah, I do. Do you think that that really, what is that? Can you unpack that a little bit? Like that, mm-hmm. what is, does, you, does that feel like I'm constantly knowing myself more as I'm actively doing it? That's what success looks like, or am I misinterpreting that? No, I think that that's close, and it is about kind of a knowledge of myself gaining, mm-hmm. but I think even more so respecting the way that I engaged it, hmm. um, and having an attitude toward the thing that I'm making that is one of presence and curiosity, and hmm. like we've talked about in so many ways already, like what what happened at the beginning, and I say this like all the time as I'm like maybe instructing people on making things Mm -hmm. that I start sometimes like I did when I was 15 years old saying like what's happening in my body right now and what am I going to do to express that Mm -hmm. and if I'm feeling really sad and I'm sitting down to a painting or feeling really angry I know that the anger itself feels like I want to do like a thousand like tiny little marks with something Mm -hmm. really really hard yeah and so I choose a material that is going to allow me to express it in that way mm-hmm. and then like work through the feeling of anger until it comes to a new point and then react to that and then react yeah. to that and then like destroy if I need to and then recreate mm-hmm. something. So it's to me, that's the, the process of just like attention and being attentive to what I'm making. I love that. Yeah. So that's, that's the way that I, I mean, yeah, which I feel Judging like is it. the the end result, like the thing that you're trying to say so often in your therapy, in like art therapy or like for me, music therapy sessions, mm-hmm. it's like, it's rather than saying to someone, it's letting them find for themselves that like moment where they're like, oh, I just let myself feel an emotion mm-hmm. that I don't normally let myself feel, which is why we love to rather than be the listeners or be the the readers or be the the lookers to be the ones creating like it, even if you're not a quote-unquote artist like engage because yes. you're allowed to feel this emotion and I think that that's my biggest like thing that I've been trying to talk with people more and more about people are saying like oh I'm not an artist it's like well, what do you what do you like Ooh, what do you like to do it's just like make this thing because it lets you feel mad or lets you feel glad and I think everybody does this yeah but it's just like when you say, like, well, you're doing it, then you're an artist. Yeah. Like, you are a person who's letting yourself go through these emotions and saying, I'm allowed to be mad. Mm. I'm allowed to be happy. I'm allowed to be confused. And, like, to put that into a representation mm-hmm. where you're sitting with it mm-hmm. and staying with it until, right. like, the thing is complete rather than right. to be like, I'm letting myself be mad and I'm walking and I'm right. listening to mad music. Right. You know, mad music, whatever that is, <laughs> again, quotes. But, yeah. I I think that... I would add to that that I would also 
want to ask, like, and now what? And now yeah, what? And, and now, now what? what? Because uh, for some reason, as we're talking, I keep thinking about um, physical therapy. Mm-hmm. And I have a bad back. And at one point, I had to do, um, what is it called? Like electromagnetic needling or oh trigger point dry needling where they like put a needle into your back and, like, any of those yeah, words real bad so they put a needle in your back and hook it up to electricity and it you know shakes the muscle up until it releases and I'm, I'm just thinking Ugh. about that I know disgusting this is very distracting Fuck. um I know I'm squirming. Okay, so it, it's relevant because yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking about like what it means to sit down with something, like putting a needle into something and saying like this is the anger, and like watching the muscle, the watching the feeling and their experience just like shake and shake mm-hmm. and shake and shake and shake until it can shake itself out yeah. and release. Yeah. And so to me, that's the question. Like now what? Now what? Now what? What is happening? What is being created in the moment where I'm finally allowing the thing to exist a long exist long enough? For something new to happen. Mm-hmm. And then how will I react to the new thing? Mm. Yeah. That is, that's where it's at. I love that. Yeah, me too. I feel passionate right now. Mm-hmm. It's fun, isn't it? Ooh, yeah. Good. That's great. So what, uh, what's the next thing for you? What's coming up? What's going Ooh. on? What do you have like on the forefront that oh. feels like this is a creative thing I'm excited about? <sighs> what is a creative thing? So I'm going to Greece in a month. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You're going yeah, back to I'm Greece. I'm going back to Greece. It's been five years. I remember and you talking about yeah, that. Yeah. Mm. I'm so excited. So th- to me, that's part of the process of like kind of returning mm-hmm. once again to another layer of this part of me that was really alive before and hoping to integrate some of the stuff that I've become and some of the things I've been thinking about over the last five years into this like artist that was in Greece five years ago. So to me, that the two weeks that I'm going to be there, which feels both like an eternity and like nothing. Yeah, right? compared to how long you were there before. <laughs> yeah. But also. Yes. When do I have two weeks to sit no, somewhere no. and do whatever That's I want? Great. It's going to be cool. So to me, that honestly feels like the most creative thing that I will possibly do and the most terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where a lot of my energy is at right now. And I'm, I'm so looking forward to sitting down where I used to write at this little cafe called Distrato and Mm -hmm. sitting there and just writing every day Mm -hmm. um, ritualistically and obsessively and seeing what I can actually make because I still feel like I have such little energy for writing and it's the thing I care about most. Um, I think like being with people all day long really sucks that out of me. So going, yeah, going away by myself is the big creative thing, but otherwise like selling paintings and making things still Mm -hmm. and nothing super specific. No, I think that that's beautiful. It's again, it's that idea of if we're talking about process, like then, then what's the next big thing for you? Isn't like a, Ooh, I'm going to have a show or Ooh, I'm going to like have a performance. It's like, well, I'm going to take this next step. But I, I would like to challenge myself more too, you know, because I I think that I can kind of cop out of some of the things that I really care about doing mm-hmm. and really saying, like, this matters to me by just focusing over and over again on being so process-oriented. It, it's lovely, and yeah. it can be a cop-out for me. Yeah. So I, I think that it would be cool to come back from Greece and say, now what do I do with the things that I just wrote? And, and decide on something, cool. put a deadline to it, mm. and do it. Yeah. What might that look like? Mm. As I challenge you, what what are some examples of what you think, like putting that out and like having a a, like pin that Mm -hmm. you're trying to get to would feel like? Um, I thought for a while about 
having a blog to actually put up some of my writing somewhere just mm-hmm. to be able to consistently show up to something. Um, so that's one thought. Um, that's a big one, actually, mm. to be able to just kind of focus on just putting stuff out there and being vulnerable. Yeah. Um, what else would be a really great idea? I've always wanted to start a magazine. Oh, my God. I've always wanted to start mm-hmm. a magazine, like a quarterly slash periodical. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I had told you this. I kind of did. That that I had this idea for a magazine that felt, to me, a little bit like Bad at Parties. Hmm. Did I tell you this? I don't think you told me about this. So I wanted to interview artists and do, like maybe put a little bit of the actual like transcript of the interview, mm. but mostly do sort of these sort of short biography pieces, creative mm. biography pieces yeah. of each artist and then do a portrait of them. And so it'd be this You did little, tell me about this. Yeah, oh my God. I've always thought about this. So, Well, to me though, that always still. felt like, um, I remember thinking about that and thinking about kind of like what Day Trotter does, how Day Trotter yes. like has like a yeah. recording with a small interview and then they do a, a, like a cool a little, little drawing, drawing yep. of that. Whereas yours would be more focused on less like perform for me, but mm-hmm. more like talk with me, be in yeah. the space with me. And then here is my own artistic representation of you yeah. rather than your artistic representation of, of you. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, which yeah. feels like, I love that because it feels like such a gift to the artist. I, that'd be cool. And like a way to yeah. honor them. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. That sounds like a pretty good idea. I, thanks. So you're, you're going to get started on that pretty soon? <laughs> Yeah. That's right. I know. Look forward to it. I did an interview of um, Julie, like, for... Yeah, Julie Davidson. Yep, Julie Davidson. Love her. Badass. Oh, my gosh. Shoutouts. Hey. <laughs> um, anyways, I, I interviewed her for a class on wisdom years mm-hmm. ago, and I wound up writing this um, kind of... I almost felt like a short story around the interview, hmm. and I, I loved that because it kind of got my... Not my therapist analytical brain, but like my therapist detailed relational brain engaged and this poetry brain engaged mm. where I was able to talk to her and then create the scene that I was writing out. I think that that would be really fun to do too. To it basically like writing, oh, I don't even, I just, I love people really a lot. Mm-hmm. This this seems like something <laughs> that you've already bought all of the ingredients for. I've been and you're now this for just, a long time. Yeah, you know how to cook it. You've yeah. got all the things. You just need to turn on the heat. I know. And I gotta go. get my morning pages going a better, yeah. a little better. Cool. Yeah, let's start there. Well, yeah. I think you're probably gonna do that. Maybe we can talk about it again. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> about this. Me too. Well, well, thanks for coming on the podcast. It's been very fun. You know, it's so fun to talk about these things. I love it. I love it a lot. I love what you're creating. <laughs> I'm excited about my painting. I'm excited Thank to name you. her. What are you going to, any ideas? I have no idea. I just saw her for the like second um, time in a long time. Yeah, let me know. Yeah. Gertrude, maybe. Wow, that's no. pretty, <laughs> That's wrong. It's not going to be Gertrude. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just keep on naming names you don't want me to name her because that's what you're Angelica. doing. Angelica. Great. I'm going to name her that. <laughs> okay. More. All right. Thanks so much. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.